Prologue It was that moment in the day when the world had had enough. The sun was sitting on the horizon, a soft red glow creeping over the tidewater while high above, a flock of birds drew random patterns against an empty sky. The wind had dropped, and the afternoon heat had become oppressive, trapped in a haze of dust and petrol fumes. Cutting through the middle of it all, the dark blue Crossley station wagon was suddenly alone, spinning along Route 13, heading inland from the coast. The Crossley was an ugly little car with its overpronounced nose, slab-like cabin, and the rust already eating through the steel bodywork. The driver, hunched over the wheel with his eyes fixed on the road ahead, had bought it for $300 from a salesman who had sworn he would get 40 miles to the gallon and speeds of up to 50 miles per hour too. Of course, he'd been lying with the perfect teeth and the friendly smile of every small-town hustler. The Crossley could barely pick up momentum when the road dipped steeply downhill, and here, close to Virginia's eastern shore, the landscape was flat for miles around. The driver could have been a professor or a librarian. He had the look of someone who spent much of his life indoors with pallid skin, nicotine-stained fingers, and glasses that over the years had slowly sunk into his nose until they had become a permanent part of his face. His hair had thinned out, showing liver spots high on his forehead. His name was Thomas Keller. Although he now carried an American passport, he had been born in Germany and still spoke his own language more fluently than that of his adopted country. Without letting go of the wheel, Keller turned his hand and glanced at the Elgin 16-jewel military watch that he'd picked up in a pawn shop in Salisbury, almost certainly dumped there by some GI down on his luck. He was exactly on time. He saw the turning just ahead and signaled. In an hour from now, it occurred to him he would have enough money to buy a decent car and a decent watch. Swiss made, of course, maybe a Hoya or a Rolex. And finally, a decent life. He pulled up in front of a diner, a sleek silver box that looked as if it had been delivered off the back of a truck. The name, Lucy's, was spelled out in the pink neon above the same four refreshments that defined the whole of American cuisine for most of its population, no matter which state you happened to be in. Hamburgers, hot dogs, shakes, fries. He got out of the car, his shirt briefly sticking to the vinyl upholstery, and dragged his jacket off the front seat. For a moment, he stood there in the warm air listening to a snatch of music from a jukebox and considered the journey that had brought him here. Thomas Keller had only just graduated with a degree in physics and engineering when he had stumbled onto what would become the great passion of his life. It had happened at the Harmony Cinema in Sachsenhausen, he had gone with a pretty girl to see Fritz Lang's new film, Frau im Mond, The Lady in the Moon. Five minutes into the film, he had forgotten all about the girl, and for that matter, his hopes of groping her afterwards in the cinema car park. Instead, the sight on the screen of a multi-stage rocket leaving the Earth's orbit had woken something within him, and from that moment it consumed him. 
You could say that he was propelled with the same irresistible force, first to the University of Berlin, then to Verin für Ramschifat, Society for Space Travel, and ultimately to the Baltic coast and the seaport of Peenemünde. At the time, German rocket research was already well advanced, for although the much-hated Treaty of Versailles had placed huge restrictions on the development of weapons, space travel had been excluded. This played into the hands of the German military, who quickly realized that liquid-fueled rockets launched from fairly simple makeshift platforms could travel further and faster than any artillery weapon, delivering their payload into every major city in Europe. Keller was 36 when he met the man in charge of the German space program, the rocket engineer and SS Strombahnführer Werner von Braun. The son of a Prussian baron, von Braun came from a family that had been fighting battles since the 13th century, and he had never lost his aristocratic streak. He strutted into rooms, snapped at anyone who argued with him, and could be coldly dismissive when he was in a certain mood. At the same time, he was utterly dedicated to his work, demanding the best of himself and everyone around him. Keller feared and admired him in equal measure. 